Hello, Feeding Green Nation, and welcome back to another edition of BGN Memories, powered by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I'm your host, John Stolness. You can follow me on Twitter, at John Stolness. Coming up, we are going to talk about the game I've been waiting to get to all season long as we've been looking back at the 1980 Philadelphia Eagles season. The NFC Championship game against the Dallas Cowboys. It was one of the greatest games in franchise history, certainly the greatest game in franchise history up until Super Bowl 52. And it's a game that's remembered by a lot of folks, but for the last couple generations of Eagles fans, have no you guys have no context for what happened in that game. And uh, upon a couple of rewatchings of that game, uh, you, you, you see an imperfect Eagles team taking on a, a Cowboys team that just was not ready to play that Sunday afternoon as the Eagles overwhelmed them 20-7 to to advance to the Super Bowl. So we are going to talk about this game in depth. We'll have some highlights for you coming up here. Over the next few minutes as we take a deep dive into the 1980 NFC Championship game between your Philadelphia Eagles and the Dallas Cowboys. And, you know, the reason this game resonates so much in Eagles history is not just because they went to their their first, their first Super Bowl. And, and that, that was a big deal. But remember, there had only been 14 Super Bowls before this. And the Eagles had won the championship back in 1960 when they beat the Green Bay Packers. So it had been 20 years. That is a very long time to go between championships. But... It certainly felt a lot longer when Super Bowl 52 rolled around. I mean, that's that's a lot of Super Bowls. You know, it's 51 Super Bowls without a Super Bowl title as opposed to just 14 before uh, the Eagles managed to get to Super Bowl 15. And so, you know, obviously the Eagles got to uh, a Super Bowl against the Patriots in, at the end of the 2004 season. But up until this point, this was a huge game, not just because it propelled the Eagles to their first Super Bowl appearance, but because of who they beat to get there. And you've got to know a little bit more about where the Dallas Cowboys were at this time in their history and where this rivalry was at the time this game was played to really get a true sense for how monumental a victory this was for the Philadelphia franchise. Because the Dallas Cowboys back then weren't like the Dallas Cowboys as you know them today. Today, the Cowboys, in my opinion, they're our biggest rival, no doubt about it, and you always want to beat the Cowboys, but they're just another team now, right? The Cowboys haven't done anything anything special in a quarter century. They have not been to the to the Super Bowl since 1995. I mean, think think about this. In 1980, the Cowboys truly were America's team. I mean, th- that's truly they were. They, they were everybody's. If you didn't have a local team that you rooted for, you were a Cowboys fan, the Dallas star, the star power that went with the Dallas Cowboys. And, and they had owned the Eagles both on the field and inside the minds of the coaching staff, of the players, uh, of the fan base, even they, they were they were in their heads. So from 1967 to 1979, 13 seasons, the Eagles beat the Cowboys just three times in those 13 seasons. Three times in 26 games, the Eagles managed to beat the Cowboys from 1967 to 1979. And this is how good the Cowboys were. In the 70s, they went to the Super Bowl five times. They went to the NFC Championship game seven times, and of course won their first two Super Bowls in the 1970s. But the Eagles started to turn things around in 1979. After being the laughing stock of the NFC for the better part of 15 years, Dick Vermeil arrives. He gets the team uh, back on the winning, back on their uh, their winning ways. He gets them to the playoffs. He finally, in 1979, gets the Eagles to the point where they go into Dallas 
on Monday Night Football with a 59-yard Tony Franklin field goal that was the longest in Eagles history at that point as, as part of the festivities, won for the first time ever at Texas Stadium 31-21 to in 1979 on Monday Night Football. And that's when the tide started to turn a little bit here. This is when the Eagles started to realize they were as good as, as America's team. That Dick Vermeil had built a roster, built on defense, built on a, on a 3-4 defense that shut opponents down with a, a quarterback in Ron Jaworski who did what needed to be done and a great running game with Wilbert Montgomery. And in 1980, as you've been hearing all year long on this podcast, it all came together for the Eagles. They went 12-4. and four. But in fact, the Cowboys also went 12-4. and four. The two teams split their two meetings with each other. But the Eagles won the tiebreaker uh, based on point differential. So, you know, this rivalry, the Eagles had caught up to the Cowboys, but they but they hadn't caught up, right? I mean, they had been beat they had beaten the Cowboys a couple of times in in 79 and 1980. They split the season series in 1980. In fact, the Eagles went into Dallas with a one-game lead over the Cowboys at 12 and 3, while the Cowboys were 11 and 4. But if the Cowboys were going to win the division, they'd have to beat the Eagles in the last week of the season by 25 points in order to win the division, which they they didn't do. In fact, Dallas led that game 35-10 to 10 in the fourth quarter. They were up by 25 in the fourth quarter, but the Eagles rallied and eventually lost 35-27, to 27, but won the NFC East based on that tiebreaker. And as I mentioned last week, Atlanta was the number one seed. They were also at 12-4, and four, but because they had beaten the Eagles Earlier in the season, actually it was late in the season, uh, they had the number one seed in the NFC. The Eagles had the two seed. So here you've got a Cowboys team that has all this playoff experience. They have all of this Super Bowl experience. They went to half of the Super Bowls in the 1970s. They went to seven out of the 10 NFC championship games in the 1970s. Meanwhile, the Eagles are in last place virtually every year until the late 70s when Dick Vermeil gets there and starts to turn things around. In the playoffs, the Cowboys did have to play one extra game. The Eagles got the first round by, whereas the Dallas Cowboys had to had to play the Los Angeles Rams in the wild card round. They fell behind 14 points in that game before beating the Rams in the wild card round. And then in the divisional round, again as I talked about last week, they were down uh, by they were down by 14 in the fourth quarter again, but rebounded and beat the number one seed in Atlanta to go on to the NFC title game in Philadelphia against the Eagles. And the Cowboys were favored in this game. It wasn't a big, it wasn't a big line. I think the the Cowboys were favored by one. But on the road for the NFC Championship game, this tells you all you needed to know about the Dallas Cowboys and the Philadelphia Eagles, their reputations. That the Cowboys went into Veteran Stadium, and and were a one point favorite in that football game. You know, the eighty Eagles didn't have those dog masks. You know, they didn't they they didn't you know have people woofing at the stadium. But the Eagles, you had to know, took that personally. And there was a little bit of gamesmanship that was going on before this game as well. General manager of the Eagles, Jim Murray, uh, came up with a masterful little bit of gamesmanship. Uh, The Cowboys had these blue jerseys that they had to wear sometimes, especially when they were on the road. And... They hated wearing the blue jerseys, right? They, they, you, the Cowboys always wanted to be in their white jerseys, and for whatever reason, they thought that the blue jerseys were bad luck. It was dated back to Super Bowl V when, uh, when they lost Super Bowl V. I want to say it was to the Dolphins off the top of my head, but I'm not sure about that. But it was well known. Maybe it was, maybe it was Indianapolis. Maybe it was the Colts. I don't know, Baltimore Colts. But it was well known that Dallas regarded its blue jerseys as unlucky. Everybody knew that. 
that the players were more f- comfortable in their white jerseys. So with the Eagles being the home team, they got to choose the color. And normally, for the entire season, as the home team, the Eagles always picked the green jerseys, which meant the road team would have played in their white jerseys, which the Cowboys liked. So in this case, the Eagles decided to pick the white jerseys and make the Dallas Cowboys play in their bad luck blue jerseys. And apparently uh, Tech Schramm, who was the team president of the Cowboys, flew into a rage when he heard about the decision by the Eagles. Um, Vermeil said, you know, they were very open about which colors they preferred. And he said, we thought, why let them wear it? It was just one more, them for th- for one more thing for them to think about. And, you know, those are the kinds of things that sound really silly. But why would you get that worked up about your jersey color? For the Cowboys, it really does seem to matter. And so they came into this NFC Championship game as the hotter team, which is also one of the reasons why they were one-point favorites. They went 7-2 and two to finish up the season. Meanwhile, the Eagles lost three of their last four, but, you know, they were all close games to good teams, the Chargers and the Falcons among them. So... In the 1980 season, as we're looking at these two teams, as we're as we're comparing the offenses and defenses, the Cowboys had the number one scoring offense in the NFL. The Eagles had a pretty good offense as well, ranked sixth in the NFL that year. The Cowboys were 14th in passing yards. Meanwhile, the Eagles finished seventh in passing yards. They were sixth in rushing, however, while the Eagles were 14th. Danny White was the team's quarterback that year. He took over for Roger Staubach, who had retired, and White had a pretty good season. Started all 16 games, completed nearly 60% of his passes, which was a pretty good completion percentage for that era, with 3,287 yards and 28 touchdowns, but also Danny White threw 24 interceptions for a passer rating of 80.6. And a little weird, Danny White was also the team's punter, so he would always stay on to punt the ball. Tony Dorsett, of course, was the star of the offense with a team-best 1,185 rushing yards and 11 touchdowns, and he also added 263 yards receiving for Dallas. Robert Newhouse was the team's primary fullback. He added 451 yards and six touchdowns during the 1980 season, while another fullback, Ron Springs, put up 326 yards and another six touchdowns. On the receiving side, Tony Hill was the team's leading receiver with 60 catches for 1,055 yards and eight touchdowns. Drew Pearson was on the other side of the field. He caught four 43 balls for 568 yards and six touchdowns. And their tight end, Billy Joe Dupree, was a guy they liked inside the red zone quite a bit, was second on the team with seven touchdowns. And of course, they had a very good offensive line, which featured Pat Donovan at left tackle, Herbert Scott at left guard, John Fitzgerald at center, Tom Rafferty at right guard, and Jim Cooper at right tackle. This was a very good and very potent offense that Dallas was coming into Philadelphia with. Defensively, Dallas ranked 13th overall in points allowed, so more to the middle of the pack than towards the upper echelon. Meanwhile, the Eagles were number one in the NFL, having given up the fewest points in the league that year. Dallas was middle of the pack when it came to passing yards, 16th. Meanwhile, the Eagles were 5th, and they were 18th in rushing yards allowed, while the Eagles allowed the second fewest rushing rushing yards in football. So when you hear the old adage, defense wins championships, This is the era of NFL football in which that was true. Defense truly did win championships back in these days. And as you watch some of these old games, and I would encourage you to to hop on the YouTube machine and and watch this game and watch some of the other games, watch the Eagles-Vikings game, the offenses are kind of hard to watch. There's not much going on through the air. Now, these two games 
at Veterans Stadium against the Vikings and the Cowboys were played in absolutely brutally frigid conditions, and that was a big topic of conversation. The temperature at game time was in single digits, and the wind was gusting 30 miles an hour, so you'll hear uh, the announcers talking about the weather conditions at Veterans Stadium. That's always going to make it a little bit tougher uh, for the offenses to do things. But uh, when you hear defense wins championships, you, it's pretty clear that that is what happened in this football game and in the NFL because the, the offenses were pretty tough to watch. Now, Dallas has a pretty good defense, although it's not elite. But they have a couple elite players on the defensive line, namely Ed Tutal-Jones, their top edge rusher, and Randy White was the right tackle, maybe the best defensive lineman in the league at the time. Larry Cole was the other tackle, and Harvey Martin was their other end. You had Charlie Waters at safety and Dennis Thurman at free safety. Charlie Waters at strong safety. They tied for the team lead in interceptions with five each. And, of course, the Cowboys were coached by legendary head coach Tom Landry, who would later become a top nemesis of Buddy Ryan, as most of you will probably remember. So, what you know about this game. Eagles-Dallas, tough rivalry, tough weather conditions. Eagles have a great defense, pretty decent passing offense, and Wilbert Montgomery at the running back position. You have Tony Dorsett, Danny White, Drew Pearson, Tony Hill. You've got, uh, you, you've got some great talent on both sides of the ball, and you've got a game where the Eagles, if they want to be the big boys, they finally have to, they finally have to hit their big brother in the mouth. Right? They, and I don't even mean big brother. They, these, the, the Cowboys bullied the Eagles for a generation. And this was the game where the Eagles could finally push back. And Dick Vermeil talked about the mindset of the Cowboys and the Eagles coming into this game when he talked to his players shortly before the game. Listen to this. Years back, when we were struggling to win five and six and seven games, a lot of people used to take the Eagles for granted. A lot of guys have heard me say, never allow anybody to take you for granted. If the Dallas Cowboys are going to take us for granted, We'll whip their ass. And this was a consistent message that Vermeil had harped on throughout his first few years as head coach of the Eagles. They had to beat this football team in a big spot at some point. If they were ever going to get over the hump and get to the Super Bowl, they had to take down the Dallas Cowboys. And on the ice-cold veteran stadium turf... In the NFC Championship game, the Eagles would get their chance to do just that. Coming up after the break, we're going to get into this football game. We'll give you some of the the big highlights from this classic Eagles-Cowboys matchup as we celebrate the 40th anniversary of the Eagles versus Cowboys NFC Championship victory here on BGN Memories. And we're back on BGN Memories. So we've set the stage. We we know the storylines. We've got the Eagles and you've got the Cowboys in a game for all the marbles for a trip to the Super Bowl. The Eagles do come into this game a little bit banged up, and that's one of the reasons why the offense really stutters and sputters so much in this game, is you've got Wilbert Montgomery, who's kind of hobbled. We'll talk about that more in just a second. But you, the Eagles were basically only playing with two wide receivers. You had Harold Carmichael, and then everybody else that had been with the team all season long was hurt. Because of the frigid conditions, the team had practiced in Tampa all week. They couldn't; they didn't have that nice bubble like they do now. So um, with the team down to just two wide receivers, what had been a pretty good passing offense during the season was suddenly severely limited to Harold Carmichael and some tight ends and, and running backs. So they were really going to rely on Wilbert Montgomery to carry the load for them. But their best offensive player, Montgomery, had been banged up all year. He'd missed a bunch of games. He only had half the rushing yards and a little over 700 rushing yards in 1980. And he came into this game with a sore knee and a bruised thigh. It wasn't even a sure thing that Wilbert Montgomery was going to play in the NFC Championship game. But as you'll hear, he played in this game. 
Boy, oh boy, did he play. So let's go to this highly anticipated matchup between the Eagles and Cowboys with Pat Summerall and Tom Brookshire and also some Merrill Reese sprinkled in here calling the action on CBS. Good afternoon, everybody. Pat Summerall with Tom Brookshire. The Eagles are in white and the Cowboys in that blue attire that uh, there has been so much controversy about. I don't think it makes a bit of difference. I think Ron Jaworski summed it up. He told me he had to have a great game today. I think he'll probably throw the ball 38 to 40 times on first down a lot against the flex. And the Dallas team comes in with Dorsett hot, but they're the best screen team against the 34 and draw perhaps in all of football. So the Eagles know they have a real tough defensive job against the offense. In the event you might have joined us late, it is now about four degrees and it's supposed to get down to about 17 below. It's going to be cold. And the winds are going to be about 20 miles an hour, so it's going to be a tough day. And Pat, the Eagles haven't scored in the first quarter in four of their uh, six games, really, and they only scored in the first half two of the last six games. If they get behind this and try to play catch-up with Dallas in the championship game, I think they'll get blown out. And the crowd was absolutely whipped up into a frenzy as Dallas got the ball first, and right away, you could see what kind of day it was going to be for Danny White and the Cowboys passing game. Third and 16. Three wide receivers now. Tony Hill has come in. The Eagles are 34% on third down defense. From the shotgun. White under pressure from Humphrey. Gets away from two. And finally throws. And throws it away. White with no chance. Dorsett and the offense were stuffed right from the get-go as Philly forced an emphatic three and out. And then the Eagles took possession and on their second play of the game pulled off what was, until Super Bowl 52, the greatest play in franchise history. Robert Montgomery now is the deep back of the eye and it's Montgomery with the ball. And with the room to go, Montgomery might go. Robert Montgomery, touchdown Philadelphia. Forty-two yards by Montgomery, straight ahead. That's his 12th touchdown of the year out of Abilene Christian. You might recall Monday night a year ago, it was his play on short yardage, the big one that actually broke the back of the Dallas Cowboys. He, yeah. went, he went outside of Ed Jones and Sizemore just took Jones down. Two touchdowns last week against Minnesota. If he's hurting, it doesn't show. Montgomery, 42 yards. It was an electrifying run by Wilbert Montgomery, that 42-yard scamper. Here's Merrill Reese's version of the call with some NFL music behind it, by the way. And that dash by Montgomery really put to rest any doubts about his health. I mean, it was an emphatic statement that this day would belong to the Eagles, and especially the Eagles' defense. But I, I do want to get to—I do want to mention one other thing here. I was reminded so much after watching that Wilbert Montgomery run on the second play of the game of the 2002 NFC Championship game between the Eagles and Buccaneers in the final game ever at Veterans Stadium. One of the most, if not the most heartbreaking game in NFL, in, in Eagles history, not NFL history, in Eagles history. I was there that day. I was at Veterans Stadium. It was a game I knew the Eagles were going to win. They had beaten the Buccaneers two straight years in the playoffs. The Buccaneers had never won in conditions below 40 degrees. And they had, and Brad Johnson had always played horribly at Veterans Stadium against this Eagles defense. I knew 
the Eagles were winning that game to go to the Super Bowl. And when Brian Mitchell returned that kickoff deep into Tampa territory and Deuce Staley scored a touchdown on the second play of the game, the crowd at Veterans Stadium after Deuce Staley scored that second touchdown was unlike anything I ever heard. And what I heard when I watched Wilbur Montgomery on, on video run for that touchdown and the, and the insanity that followed, it took me right back to that day in January of 2003 where we just knew after Deuce Staley scored that touchdown that it was going to be a romp and the Eagles were going to go to the Super Bowl. I have to imagine... That's how everybody watching that game in Philadelphia felt, that this was going to be their day. And I'm really glad that Tampa game didn't come before that Wilbert Montgomery run because I don't think people would have been so quick to jump up and say, yes, we have this game. And listen, as we go along here, you'll find out the Eagles don't pull away from the, from the Cowboys right away. The Eagles defense does continue to out-hit and out-wit the Cowboys offense. And the Birds' offense continued to move the ball behind Montgomery. Wilbert Montgomery just churning yards after yards after yards, but special teams issues and big penalty mistakes squandered a number of opportunities in the first half. One of them, when the Eagles drove down deep into Cowboys territory late in the first quarter, setting up a mid-range Tony Franklin field goal attempt that should have been a gimme. And Tony Franklin will come on with his bare foot in frigid Veterans Stadium. Franklin, by the way, has only made six of his last 17 field goals. Before the game, he was a little bit right, a little bit left, and once in a while he would smooth it out and kick it very strongly, the way he's certainly capable of doing. Ron Jaworski, the holder. It appears to me that Franklin is taking an extra step that last year he didn't take. Watch when, the, when he first starts to approach the ball. Step back with his left foot. It is blocked partially. Goes into the end zone, and the Cowboys will take over. Aaron Mitchell, I think, got a hand on it. With that block, the Eagles failed to take a 10-0 lead, and it was the second time in two weeks a field goal attempt had been blocked. And then later in the second quarter, Jaworski couldn't handle the snap of another field goal attempt. Jaworski, of course, is the holder. Here comes Tony Franklin in with Jaworski holding from 39 yards out. Here's Franklin. They won't get this one off either. Franklin looking to throw. Harvey Martin. It appeared was the intended receiver by Franklin, and the Eagles are having all kinds of problems with that kicking game. That's the reason you can't drive down to the 25 or 30 and take three the way a lot of championship teams have done. So you hear Pat Summerall mention it right there. The, the Eagles' special teams were just in disarray these last two weeks, and Tony Franklin had a horrible season. The barefooted Eagles kicker should have put on a shoe because he was awful in 1980 and completely unreliable. And those are six points the Eagles should have had. It should have been 13 points on the scoreboard for the Eagles, but instead they still just had that Wilbert Montgomery touchdown up there. And the Dallas Cowboys finally got their offense moving. Uh, for the only time all game, really, the Cowboys' offense got something rolling, resulting in this Tony Dorsett run from three yards out to tie the game. They also like Dorsett straight ahead. They like him well enough for a Dallas touchdown. A very good-looking and effective drive by Dallas. A lot like Gail Sayers, when you call for him to run inside at 190 pounds, Dorsett can put his head down. He has tremendous control, even at high speeds, and he doesn't vary much. He runs over a couple of people to get it. 
At that point, Tony Dorsett's 782 yards rushing was fourth all-time in NFL history. And all of a sudden, after dominating the first half, the Eagles and Cowboys were tied at seven apiece. So this was not a game the Eagles ran away with on the scoreboard, but they were dominating on the field. Billy Canfield then fumbled the ensuing kickoff. But the Eagles recovered, and we've seen so many games where Dallas could have fallen on that football and taken the game over. If the Eagles had lost that Billy Camfield fumble, it sets Dallas up deep in Eagles territory again. Now, maybe the Eagles' defense stops them. The Eagles' defense that day was incredible, but they're just coming off the field after a long drive, and momentum means so much in the NFL, more than in any other sport. And if Dallas falls on that football, on that fumbled kickoff by Billy Camfield, who knows what happens with this game? Who knows if the Wilbert Montgomery run doesn't turn into the Deuce Staley run? And it's remembered in the same way that Deuce Staley run is, kind of an afterthought. But the Eagles would answer back on that drive, moving downfield. And it looked like Carmichael scored a 25-yard touchdown catch from Ron Jaworski to give the Eagles a 14-7 lead. From the 25, Jaworski again will throw it first time. Carmichael will score for Philadelphia. Penalty marker down. A flag is down back at the line of scrimmage, and it's going to be against Philadelphia. An illegal hands to the face penalty called that touchdown back, set up the Eagles on a first and 25 from the 40 for their first penalty of the game, and then the Eagles had to punt. But the Dallas Cowboys couldn't do anything with the football either, and so Dallas got the football back with 142 to go in the first half. The Eagles forced a three and out, and then get the ball back inside their 40. But once again, the Eagles got to within field goal range, but then killer penalties inside two minutes pushed them out of field goal range each time. So, at the very least, the Eagles should have been up 20 to 7 at the half. But instead, going into the locker room, it was 7-7. And momentum was not exactly on the Eagles' side. This game was very much a coin flip at this point. The Eagles had dominated on the field, but with all of the mistakes, it was still just tied at 7. Philadelphia had more offensive plays than Dallas, 33 to 28. They edged Dallas in first downs, 10 to 7. They had 111 rushing yards to Dallas's 60, 54 passing yards to Dallas's 37, so 165 total yards of offense to Dallas's 97. You see what I'm talking about? The weather conditions, in part, made this game brutal on the offenses, but the defenses were also doing the job. But at halftime, Wilbert Montgomery had 96 yards rushing on 12 carries, en route to a monster day. Jaworski was just 7 for 17 for 68 yards, and Danny White was 6 of 13 for 37 yards. Let me, I'm not going to sugarcoat this. This was an ugly first half, an ugly first half of football, and it mirrored the previous week's playoff game against the Minnesota Vikings. This was some ugly football being played by the Philadelphia Eagles here in these two playoff games, but yet they are in position to win this game and go to the Super Bowl. Um... Jaworski gets the ball back with the Eagles in the second half and throws a pick with the ball at the Dallas 23, his ninth straight incompletion in the game. So, you know, the Eagles get the ball and they're moving, but blame the conditions if you want. Blame the lack of receiving talent available to the Eagles in this game, but the passing offense just couldn't get anything going as Jaworski throws that interception. However, just three plays later, the defense gets the ball back on a strip sack of White. Eagles in the four-man rush this time. White is down in the grasp of Harrison, and the Eagles have the football. Harrison hit him. That's Carl Harrison. 
Hairston's 11th sack of the year. That's Carl Hairston with the sack, as you heard from Brookshire, and the Eagles are back in business. Hairston's 11th sack, including the playoffs. White never saw him coming, and the Eagles finally take advantage of getting deep within Cowboys territory thanks to this Tony Franklin field goal. Jaworski will hold at the 16, so it'll be a 26-yarder by Franklin. With that bare foot, gets it up, and good. The Eagles go back in front, 10-7. And on the ensuing possession, Dallas is driving down to the Eagles' 40 when Tony Dorsett, the guy who had been a pain in the side of this football team and every other football team in the playoffs for years, Turn the ball over yet again. Turnover, turnover number four in the second half. Here comes Bruce Hairston in motion. The give is to Dorsett. Dorsett around the corner. Fumbles, and the Eagles have the football. And they're hurting it down the sideline. Philadelphia's Jerry Robinson comes up with the ball. Larnell Young, number 43, made the tackle. It looked like... Dorsett had gotten to the outside. Tony Dorsett gets to the outside. Looks like he can make the sidelines. And Rarnell Young, the rookie, comes up and strips him of it. The Eagles took the ball down the field, and that eventually led to a Leroy Harris touchdown. Second and four at the nine for Philadelphia. On the move with the Eagles. Jaworski gets to Harris. Leroy Harris pounds into the end zone for the Eagles. That touchdown by Harris was his first touchdown in his last 12 games. And now, all of a sudden, the scoreboard reflects what everybody had been watching here in the first half. The Eagles lead this thing 17-7, to but also fair to remember, the Cowboys came back from 10 points down midway through the fourth quarter of their games against the Falcons and, and against the Rams two weeks before. So they do still feature a powerful offense, but the Eagles' 3-4 defense, championed by Marion Campbell, just would not let this Dallas offense get moving. They decided today was the day. No more. We're not going to be defeated by the Dallas Cowboys offense. And after a Dallas punt, the Eagles started at their own five-yard line. And Wilbert Montgomery capped a brilliant day on the ground with this long 54-yard run through the Dallas defense. Michael slips wide to the near side. It's a pitch to Montgomery. Off-right tackle. 25 30 that got the Eagles back to within field goal range where they could extend the lead. However, Jaworski was then picked off in the end zone one play later. And so the Eagles offense giving the ball right back to Dallas. But Dallas could do nothing with that gift, and they punted the ball away again with just about seven minutes left in the game, down two scores. The Eagles get the ball back, and in a six-minute drive of beauty, drove to the Dallas three-yard line, where Franklin finally put the final score up on the board with just over two minutes left in the game. Tony Franklin tries this field goal. Kick is up, and good. It's 20-7, to Philadelphia. You don't think Tony Franklin's happy, do you? 20-yard field goal by Tony Toes. T-O-E-S, that is. 
and that made it 20 to 7 Eagles with just over two minutes left, and that would essentially do it as the the, the seconds wound down, and then Danny White moved the Eagles down, moved the Cowboys down the field in garbage time, trying to get one last fruitful score. the 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 scene in the stands was incredible. Dick Vermeil jumping up and down, smiling his his ears off on the sidelines, hugging Marion Campbell, being hugged by his players, just complete jubilation at Veterans Stadium. Not only had they won the NFC Championship game, they had done it by beating the Dallas Cowboys. Clock running now at 16 seconds left to play. The NFC Championship belongs to the folks in green and white. They put on today. When it was all over, Wilbert Montgomery was the star of the game. He ran for 194 yards, two yards short of the all-time NFL postseason record set by another Eagle, former Hall of Fame, uh, Hall of Famer Steve Van Buren, in the 1949 championship game against the Rams. The Eagles limited to Dallas to just 11 first downs on the day. Remember, this is the number one offense in the NFL and held future Hall of Famer Tony Dorsett to 41 yards rushing and that one crushing turnover as the Cowboys turned the ball over four times. On the game, the Eagles actually lucked out quite a bit. They, they fumbled four times and didn't lose any of them. Dallas fumbled five times and lost three of those fumbles. And, of course, there was a Danny White interception. Uh, looking at some of the other final stats of the day... Danny White finished 12 of 31 for 127 with no touchdowns and an interception, a passer rating of just 38. Ron Jaworski had a truly awful day. He actually played worse than Danny White. 9 of 29 for 91 yards and two interceptions, a passer rating of 12.3. But when Wilmer Montgomery runs for 194 and Leroy Harris runs for 60 yards on 10 carries, you don't need your passing offense to do a whole lot else. But again, to be fair to Ron Jaworski and the offense, they were they were without their two of their two of their three best wide receivers, and so you had Harold Carmichael out there, and essentially nobody else. I mean, you had uh, Rodney Parker out there trying trying to do some things, but there's just there just weren't enough players out there for the Eagles to to mount any kind of a any kind of a charge passing the football. But again. They didn't need it. The offensive line paved the way for Wilbert Montgomery to run for nearly 200 yards on the day in one of the legendary performances in franchise history. And with that victory, the Eagles beat the Cowboys 20-7 to move on to Super Bowl 15, one of the greatest games in Philadelphia Eagles history, that NFC Championship game against the Dallas Cowboys that was played 40 years ago this week. All right, folks, that's going to do it for this edition of BGN Memories. On the next episode, we are going to take a look at Super Bowl 15, a game that has also been largely forgotten in Eagles lore, mostly because everybody has wanted to forget it. But we'll take a look at some of the storylines heading into that game and see if we can talk a little bit more about what actually led up to Super Bowl 15 and get away from some of the, the standard storylines that you've heard. And we'll play a little bit of my interview and my interview with Dick Vermeil from uh, earlier this season and for his thoughts on uh, what went wrong with Super Bowl 15 and, and the end of what was a magical 1980 Philadelphia Eagles season. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll talk to you next time here on BGN Memories.